If you got your Bible tonight, James chapter 3, it's good to be back. I feel like I've not been home. I've not been here for like a set of services and forever uh, between our vacation Bible school and missing out on services and being in Great Bend and then finally coming back from that and just to turn around and leave. So we're here Sunday morning, but like little snippets and then being gone Sunday night and Wednesday night. Um, for, for those of you who are aware, Brother uh, Josh Craighead and I ran to, uh, uh, ran, drove like 14 hours to, uh, to, to Georgia and we were working with Pastor's cousin Chris uh, who's there in Rome, Georgia. He's got a, a church down there, and uh, we remodeled a few of their classrooms and turned them into living quarters, uh, missions apartment, but it'll start out as living quarters for uh, Brother Chris and his wife. So uh, we built a bathroom with a shower and then a kitchen and then a couple bedrooms, and uh, each little thing, as you start scratching on those, it becomes like a process. So um, we, we got it done in four days, praise the Lord. It was like, it was all the time we had. So we worked as long as we could and then drove back on Friday and got home late Friday or like, it gets a little bit off too because it's like Eastern time and our time and our hours were all off. So it's kind of a blur, got home, kind of numb. So anyhow, it's good to be home. We came back just in time for it to turn to 105,000 degrees every day. So that's so wonderful. So thanks for, I heard you guys had great weather last week and we missed that. So Alas. Hey, James chapter 3 this morning. By the way, church family, I've not had a chance to publicly say, let me back up, publicly say thank you for your help with our Vacation Bible School. I know many of you gave, um, uh, like, we put out a plea for some chips and for some pops and so, for those push pops and some of the things on that sign-up list, and we had more than I put on the list brought in. So I don't know who all of you were, but some of you brought an extra. It was all put to good use. The kids really appreciated it. So thank you so much for that. Uh, the cookies were delicious. We were able to use those. And so those of you that, uh, I know it wasn't as hot as it will be this week, but you had your ovens on cooking cookies, making stuff up. So that was a huge blessing to be able to get all that in. Yeah, we were able to see 41 kids saved at Vacation Bible School, so that's a huge blessing being able to get that done. But I know there was a sacrifice, not just in the financial sacrifice, the prayer sacrifice, but time sacrifice, everything that was involved in that. So thank you for that, church. And I really don't take that lightly, being with, uh, being traveling and going to some of these other places. Um, uh, it's second nature for, for me, just growing up here, it's second nature for me to think that, hey, if there's a project, we're going to have a bunch of church members come out and help with it. Uh, it turns out it's not like that everywhere. You know, there's a project and like, it's like the pastor and like nobody else. It's like, okay. So, so uh, it's, it is, uh, I commend you church family. You make, you make um, being on staff very easy because you do a lot of my work for me. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's a blessing and it's a help. But ultimately I, I understand that we're not doing it for, for Pastor Hanks. We're not doing it for each other. We're not doing it for praise and glory because to be honest, we don't, get, you know, we're not up here with a list of everything everybody did this week, but you do it for the Lord. So thank you. And, and God is the one that keeps track. You know, God's, God's, got, God's got the record in heaven and he keeps track. And honestly, most of you and maybe most of us, it's not for the reward either. It's just, this is how we can, you know, the Lord's done so much for us. I can, do, I can do a little bit for him too. I can, I can come and help out of vacation Bible school. I can buy a couple bottles of, of Coca-Cola or I can pick up a, a thing of freezer pops. You know, it's, it's something that we can do. It's, it's, it's honestly, it's part of our worship. It's how we say, God, thank you. We love you. Thank you. This is what we do. So church and I just want to publicly say thank you from me. It's not, it's not unnoticed your sacrifices between the work we've done at camp this summer and then Lansing this summer and then vacation Bible schools plus keeping the stuff going on around here and uh, staying on top of those things. Um, thank you. Thank you for all of that. So, so thank you there. It's not all that to be nice because tonight I'm going to talk about the worst member in church. 
Seriously, go with me to James chapter number three. James chapter three, tonight, the worst member in church. Yeah. yeah, worst member in church. I told my wife this afternoon, she's like, do you know what you're preaching on tonight? I said, yeah, I'm going to preach about the worst member in church. She's like, okay, yeah, really, what are you preaching? I'm like, no, really. She's like, oh, great. So, no. James chapter number three, uh, if you'll follow with me here, James chapter three. By the way, this is James. James is the, the this is James, the half-brother of Christ who's, who writes this book or who we attribute this book to. And James writes, uh, if you remember the book of James, five chapters. And unlike the, like the Pauline epistles that were written to like a specific church, James' book here, this, this book, we call it a general epistle. It's to Christians. It's like to, to all the Christians everywhere. And so that's who this book is written to. So unlike the ones that are like specifically to the church at Corinth or the church at Ephesus, this is everybody, which is us, because we're all Christians everywhere too, right? Ultimately, the whole Bible is written to us, but specifically here, James chapter 3, verse 1, my brethren, we're talking to saved people, my brethren, be not many masters, he's talking about leaders or rulers or teachers, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. James says, you know what, I, I offend people too. I'm not, I'm not beyond this. We, myself, in many things you offend all. No, we all offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. And again, that word perfect there means mature or complete. It literally means grown up. You're, you're a grown up. Uh, if any man is able to, uh, sorry, if any man offend not in word, the same is, he's a grown up. He's a, he's a perfect man and able to bridle also the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about on a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member. Again, there's that member. And boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. That it fileth the whole body, and it setteth on fire, fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. Tonight, for a little bit, we want to look at that idea that tongue is that little member. And that tongue is among our members, and defileth the whole body. Before we do, let's pray. Father, I do pray that you'd help us, Lord. I pray that you'd help me. Lord, I pray that you'd set a watch before my mouth tonight. I pray, Father, that you'd bless what we say, bless what we do. I pray, Father, that you'd encourage us. Lord, please show us where we need to, where we need to grow up a little. Please show us where we need to be uh, strengthened. And I pray for this in your son's name. Amen. That first, or that second verse in there, he says, if any man is able to, let me, let me just read it. I'm not going to be able to quote it straight up. But he says, uh, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. And we're perfect. We're mature. We're grown up. Um, kids don't have a filter. All right. Uh, we had one of the high school guys last year. Uh, we're not going to name any names, but his nickname was No Filter. Uh, he just said whatever he thought. And he said whatever he thought, whenever he thought it. And he didn't care what he was saying, and he's like, he's just going to say it. I'm like, eh. And sometimes that got him into some trouble, I'm like, no filter. Like, eh. And really what that shows is if I, if I don't have a filter, if I can't control what I say, really what, I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I am broadcasting to everyone is I'm immature. I, I lack a certain amount of, the Bible word here is perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not mature. I'm not grown up yet. I'm not there. You know, kids, they say all sorts of stuff. You know, it happens. Um, 
dealing with kids in the school, and kids will come in, and we'll have to talk to them, and, and sometimes kids say things, and we have to say, hey, listen, let's not talk about, oh, my daddy said yesterday, it's like, hey, let's not, let's not say that out here, let's not, let's not, let's not tell everybody what your daddy said, my mommy said that you were, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. like, why didn't you do that, well, because my parents said that, like, uh, Kids, they're immature. They don't understand that, you know, like as adults, we all had to learn sometimes. Somebody sat down and said, hey, listen, you can't say that like that. You can't say that to people. You know, you can't, you can't act that way. Like, boy, you really are dumb. It's like, no, you can't say that. I remember as little kids, we were somewhere and uh, there was a, um, a, healthy, uh, a healthy lady going into Walmart. And, and she was walking by and my little brother was there. And he looked over and he said something very loudly to my mom, like, Wow, Mom, look at that. Um, uh, not a nice way of, of putting it, but look at that fat lady. And my mom was mortified. And so she got in the car. Don't you ever say anything like that again. But Mom, but Mom, like, like, like don't, don't, don't say that. Don't, don't, don't say anything like that. And then, of course, this was my um, uh, mischievous law brother who says, well, you, you don't want me to lie, so like, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> like, okay, uh, most of us remember, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all, right? Like, like that's going through there. And what is it? That's, that's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of maturity. We're learning, we're learning when to speak and when to keep our mouth shut. And James here says, listen, my brethren, fellow Christians, if you can go through life and you can bridle this guy right here, uh, then you're a grown-up. You're mature. Because if you don't, this little member will defile the whole body. And we understand that not only is like our physical body can be defiled by the tongue, but our body as the body of Christ, this room, our church family, the church family can be defiled by this little member right here. Worst member in our church, the tongue. The tongue. More problems happen in church because of the tongue. Somebody said something. Somebody didn't say something. Somebody kind of said something. And whew, worst member in the church. It says here, you know what? It, it, it defileth the whole body. And it spreads quickly. Now, James gives us some, some illustrations. He says, behold, we put a bit in a horse's mouth and we're able to, to turn its whole body. Now, if you think about a horse... A horse has a certain degree of intelligence, right? Like if you've got a horse, you put a bit in his mouth. There are certain things that horse, even if you pull the bit, there are certain things that horse is smart enough, he's just not going to do. It's, he's, no, he's not going that way. It's not, he's not doing that. I remember years ago, we were working with Floyd Integrin's horses. And he had these big Belgian horses. And we would go out there and try and lead those horses. And those horses, I mean, I don't know how big they were. Like a thousand pounds? I don't know. Big, big, big horses. And we would lead them out. And if they did not want to go through a gate, you could push and pull and yank and do whatever you want. Those horses were not going through that gate. And I remember I got on one of them. I was a pretty good-sized teenager. Got on one and started pulling down on, on the bit, pulling down. Come on, we're going this way, going this way. And that horse just said, Foop, nope. And Foop, I was up in the air, and there I went. And I said, okay, well, that's not going to work. That's not gonna, like, nope. The, that horse, even with a bit, that horse had a certain amount of intelligence that said, you know what, I'm not going to, you're a stupid human, I'm not going that direction, I'm way bigger than you are, and if I wanted to, I'd just stomp on you and it's done, you know. Like, I'm not going in that fence because I want to stay over here. Then he talks about ships. 
And those ships are so big, you know, the ships of the sea. Now, I've never driven a big ship, but I've driven some decent-sized boats. And if you ever get behind a boat and you start taking that boat, even out on a lake in Kansas, you get a little bit of wind. He talks about it's driven by the fierce winds. You get it out there and trying to, trying to pull a pontoon boat up to the dock in the wind, that, is a, that's, that can be a challenge sometimes. You, know, you can kind of get blown sideways and... And, and you can kind of tell the guys that aren't very good at it, they're backing the boat up, pulling the boat forward, backing the boat up, pulling the boat forward. And finally they just give up and jump in the lake and just drag it over with a rope. Like, ah, forget this. It can be a lot of work. It can be a lot of work. That boat doesn't have any intelligence. But it's really big. I mean, if you think about how much of that, like you think about like a huge ship, an aircraft carrier, a huge ship. You know, it's like a city block floating on the water controlled by a rudder. Huge thing controlled by something so small. Our church family, I mean, if you look around the room, this large church family, uh, a large number of church families, put it that way. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of us in here controlled by a little tongue. A little tongue. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles. He says the third thing he does is he talks about fire. The thing with fire is fire is uncontrolled. Fire is indiscriminate. Fire doesn't care. Uh, Cynthia called me on Friday. We were coming back from, from Georgia. We are driving back. And she was like, like out of breath, like super excited. I was like, what's going on? She's like, there's a fire. There's a fire. And I could hear the fire engines. And my first thought was, oh, well, she burnt our house down. But it wasn't that. It was outside. It was actually not our house. And she's like, there's a fire. There's a fire. I'm like, where's the fire? Where? Where? She's like, it's, I don't know where it is. I'm like, oh, so it's like, out, it's like not our house. Okay, good. Well, not good for them, but good for me, you know. And uh, like a block from our house, a house had caught on fire. And she went out and she was sending pictures of this stuff. And like the fire department from our little town came and all the fire departments from all the other little towns came to put out this fire that was burning in there. And the fire started in a little john boat in the guy's like, uh, like in front of the garage in the driveway. A little fire started there and it spread from the john boat to the garage. And it spread from the garage to the house. And the fire department were able to get there and put that fire up before it spread too much further because next to that house was another house. Next to that house is, is Sean's house. I mean, like, like our town, there's a lot of houses right in that area. And if it wasn't for that fire department getting there, I mean, that block could have been gone. There, there could have been, like, we've, we've heard stories of, you know, cities being, like Lawrence was burned down and, and Chicago being burned up and San Francisco burned down. Like these town, whole towns that would burn up because of a little fire that got started. Behold, how great a matter a little fire can kindle. I remember, and I've told the story here before, but I'll, I'll confess again. I still remember, um, it's probably been 20 years ago now, we were, back when we had a pond back here, I jumped on the tractor, the John Deere lawnmower, and drove down to get a cable out of the way. We had that zip line that ran from the lagoon all the way down to the road. Some of you may remember it. And there was a big cable that we had wrapped around a tree. Well, the tree grew, grew over that cable, and we couldn't, like, we unbolted the cable, but it wouldn't come out. And the city crews were getting ready to widen Farmer's Turnpike. And so we had to get that cable out of there. Like, it was on us to get it out. And so it was on my list to go down and cut this cable. So I drove down there, and it wouldn't break. And, um, like, bolt cutters weren't going to work. This was, you know, a good size, 9-16, three-quarter inch cable. It was a a thick wire rope from a crane. So (sighs) cutting torch, that's the way to do it. So I started up that cutting torch, drove down there with an oxygen acetylene bottle, had them sitting on the lawnmower, got on it, buzzed through that thing. And when I finally got through that last little bit of the cable, poof, one piece of cable went flying that way. The other piece of cable snaked back into the trees on the side of the road. 
Like, all right, so turned off the bottle, turned off the gate, or turned off the, the torch, turned off the bottles, took off my gloves and stuff, and then I kind of heard something, noticed, oh no, that cable that snuck back in those trees started a fire. Like it was red hot metal, shh, there's a fire going, oh, that's not good. So quickly I ran in there and started stomping on that stuff, trying to put it out, and that wasn't working so well. Um, I, I could kind of get ahead of it, but it, like my shoes were melting, so this wasn't working. We had the pond right there, so I ran over, jumped in the pond with my shoes, got my, like up to my knees, got my, to put the fire on my pants out and stop my shoes from melting. I grabbed the, uh, we had a burlap bag on the tractor though, like a, like a feed sack. So got that in the water, ran back out, started beating on that, trying to put that down. And finally, finally, I beat that fire. I won. That was, that was intense back in those trees. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I turned around. Of course, everything's all smoky when you're doing stuff like that. And you're in limbs and trees and stuff. Everything's all smoky. There's kind of a smoky haze. So it was really hard for me to understand that the other cable had started a huge fire the other direction until I got out. And then I looked and the, the tractor, the fire is coming for the tractor with, you know, a huge bottle of very flammable acetylene and another bottle of oxygen, which... Even on a good day, you don't want to get those too hot. So, and, you know, the tractor's full of gasoline. It's a whole thing. And it's a, you know, it's a very expensive John Deere tractor. So my first thought was get the tractor out of here. So I jumped on the tractor and drove as fast as I could, holding onto those bottles. <laughs> drove up and got it up across, up across the road. Then I turned around and ran back to try and put this fire out. So ran back across the road, ran back down to the pond, got my burlap bag wet again. And by then, now the fire is higher than my head, and it's spread. It's wider than this auditorium, and it's, I tried my best, but I was not going to win this fight. Somebody called 911, the sheriff came by, and he saw the fire. He called the fire department, or radioed them. The fire department came out. They managed to put the fire out after burning up pretty much that whole corner of our property, a couple trees. It got onto the neighbor's property. They stopped it before it got to their houses and their, the, the different things were over there, but there were the houses and stuff. We, we stopped it before all that. And that was on a Wednesday afternoon before church that night. And pastor was in Texas. And so, um, and I didn't, I don't know who, I still don't, to this day, I don't know who called him and told him that uh, I burnt down half the church before I could call him and tell him what happened. But he called me, which is not usually the way he wants to go. So, are you ready for tonight? I'm like, yeah, I think so. So, anything exciting happening? Um, well, uh, what's going on with the fire? It's like, oh, you heard. Um, well, it's out. It's all good. They, they got it put out. He's like, okay. Like, and so I'm blackened. And, and like we heard this morning, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't even smell like fire. I probably smelled like fire for two weeks. I mean, it was in my hair. It was in my clothes. And you just can't wash that. Like, you can't, maybe it was just up my nostrils, and it just, everything smelled like fire. Everything smelled like fire for weeks. Like, oh, boy, fire. that was a bad day. Something so small spread so quickly, got out of control, and caused a lot of destruction. Caused a lot of destruction. Church family, tonight, I want to make application to our tongue being that fire, our tongue being that member in the church. Three observations. I'll be quick tonight. First observation. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If you want to control your tongue, ultimately we've got to control what's in right here. Right? Oftentimes we say things we didn't mean to say. Right? Oh, I didn't mean to say that. But you thought it. You never say something you didn't think. Well, most, most of you don't. There's still some of the teenagers, I wonder. But no one says anything they didn't think. Right? We thought it. I just didn't mean for it to come out of my mouth. I didn't mean to say. I didn't mean for you to hear what I was thinking. I, I'm sorry you heard what I was thinking. I've, I've been thinking it, and I've thought it a lot. I'm still thinking it. But I didn't mean for you to know what I was thinking, right? That's really what we're saying. 
So if I want to control what comes out of my mouth, first of all, I've got to control this heart. I've got to control what, how, what I'm thinking about. I've got to control that thought. This is why it's, it's so vitally important who we're around and what we listen to and, and, and who's influencing us. Because what influences us causes us to think a certain way. And how we think is how we speak. And it, it just it, it comes out. Um, again, we were in Georgia for several days. And being in Georgia, there's a lot of y'alls and fixing twos and over yonders and stuff like that coming out. And by the end of the week, it was kind of coming up. Like I'd be talking to them like, well, we're fixing to get this done over here. And then we got that there thing to have to get on. And like, it just, because you're around it so much very quickly, you kind of just kind of get really lazy in our talking and <laughs> stop speaking, you know, English <laughs> and start speaking this, this strange hodgepodge language. It, it, it happens. It, it comes out. And the more we're down there, it, it you know, like, like, hey, you know, over yonder this. And boy, that was, boy, that was just a, mm-hmm, I tell you. Like, like, it's not even words. It's not even words. But, you know, it's a communication of sorts, I guess. It's just because of who we were around. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Honestly, if we want to change how we sound, if we want to change what we say, we need to change who we're around. Which is why it's so important for us to be in the scriptures, right? Ultimately, being saved, accepting Christ as our Savior, that's a huge change, right? That changes a lot. But who we're spending time with, what we're listening to, how much we're listening to it, those things change. I enjoy podcasts, and I really was, I was really getting interested in this podcast. Oh, it was so good. And, and I loved how the podcast was going, and it started out really clean, but as it went on, um, it was really affecting, like, it was affecting me. Um, they, they were talking about some crime was coming up and some of the stuff was going on. And it was, it, was, it was affecting how I was thinking. It was affecting what I was saying. And I had to stop. I had to let it go. There wasn't anything intrinsically wrong with the particular group that was doing this. But for me and for, 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 um, for my spiritual health and for my mouth, I, I, I wasn't mature enough to do it. Or maybe... Maybe it's a sign of maturity to say, I can't handle this, so I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to listen, right? Well, what is that for you? How, how, what are, what's influencing what you're saying? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So what's your heart like tonight? And if you want to know how your heart is, check what you say, right? If I want to know how my heart is, I go to the doctor and he checks my blood pressure and they maybe run an EKG and they check my pulse and they do this. What are they doing? They're checking my heart. I want to know how your heart is. We're going to check the, you want to know how your spiritual heart is? Let's check what you're saying. That's your vital signs, your spiritual vital signs. We're going to see how that's going. Second, the first observation. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if I want to control what I say, if I don't want to be guilty of having the worst member in the church, I need to make sure my heart is right. Second thing, if I don't want to be guilty of having the worst member in the church, what do I need to do? And take a little bit of prayer. David, the king, wrote the Psalms, right? I would say David was a pretty mature Christian. I mean, he, like, I've never fought Goliath. I've never, you know, given up my kingdom and let Saul, you know, like been ordained to be the next king and then walked away from it because it wasn't my time. Like, like some of the things that David did, pretty incredible. And David said this, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Even King David had to say, guard, sorry, God, guard my, guard my tongue. Guard what I say. James said, the tongue can no man tame. I can't do it. You can't do it either. No matter how much good you've got in your heart, no matter how much spirituality you have, the tongue 
can no man claim. Brother Daniels, I can do it. Either you can't or God lied. We can't tame it. So if I can't tame it, if no man can tame it, then what keeps it tame? Well, God can tame it. And I'm going to need his help to tame my tongue. Ergo, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door malice. God, please help me not to say anything I shouldn't say. God, please help me to say what I need to say. God, help me to be careful with what I'm saying. By the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. The second thing I've got to do is I've got to pray. Third thing, and we're going to be done with this one. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians 4. This is kind of a sister passage to James chapter 3. In fact, you're there in Ephesians. If you get to Ephesians chapter 4, I'm just going to pull out just a couple of things. Verse number, uh, verse number 11, Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Remember uh, James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing we shall receive the greater condemnation. These are those masters, those teachers, those leaders. And then that next verse said, he talked about, the perfect man, look at verse 12 here, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We see that, that term, that, that idea of perfection, the idea of being perfect shows up again. Till we all come into the air in the unity of faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So again, this idea of, of we, we need to be mature, we need to be perfect, we need to be complete. Ultimately, this passage tells us that doesn't really happen until either A, we die, or B, we get raptured away. We're not going to make it there. But we're, we're working on that. Verse, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children. Again, this idea of grow up. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But again, so again, the idea of be careful who we listen to. Verse 15, this is where we're going to start on the rest of this chapter. He's going to talk about what we say. Look at verse 15. But... Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Then again, we're talking about church members being part of the body. Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, by which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part. Uh, just think with me, part of our body is your tongue part of the body. It is, so every part, so including the tongue, every part of this body, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So even though the tongue's part of our body, he says here, that tongue, that part of this body, that, that tongue part can be used to edify. It can be used to build if it's, little phrase there, in love. This I say, therefore, and testify. So again, he's, he's talking. This I say and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Again, rather the abundance of the heart, or the mind, the mouth speaketh, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Again, this idea of our heart. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now here's where he, this is where he gets really practical. So I put on the new man. I'm taking off the old man, put on the new man. What does that look like? 
Verse number 25. This is what it looks like. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. He's talking about what we speak and how we speak. And the first thing we're supposed to have in our speech, a, a mature Christian, a Christian that's speaking in love. Number one, we put away lying. Says, hey, speak honestly. Just be honest. And sometimes our dishonesty comes in the form of flattery. Sometimes our dishonesty comes in the form of, of, of just the, the things that we're saying are inaccurate, right? There's inaccurate. And then there's straight up just straight up lies, right? And those are kind of like, you know, flattering. Well, I didn't tell them what I thought because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I didn't say this because I didn't want to cause a scene. I didn't speak. And he says, wherefore, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Why? For we are the members one of another. In our Sunday school class today, one of our points was on iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And sometimes we just have to stand up and say what we should say because it's the truth. And that's what he's talking about. Verse 26, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. So again, he's, he's talking like in the idea here, this is the devil wanting to destroy things. By the way, that tongue from back in James that said it's set on fire of hell. And here he says, hey, listen, this is giving place to the devil. Uh, jump with me down. Verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. First thing he says is like, listen, don't speak deceitfully. Don't speak lies. Secondly, don't speak corrupt. Corruption, corrupt communication. And corrupt communication, that can, there, there's a whole gambit of what corrupt communication is. That could be all sorts of stuff. Right? Corrupt communication, it's, it's the stuff, that's the stuff that's, it's not necessarily wrong, but it's not really right. And here's the, here's the, the litmus test. Here's how we, how do I, how do I know whether I should talk about it or not? He tells us there, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Is the thing I'm saying, the thing I'm talking about, is it building someone up? Is it ministering grace? The answer is No. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's wrong. Am I building people up by talking about this? Am I, am I, am I, am I, am I edifying? That word edifying means to, am I, am I, am I, is it improving something? When I'm done, after I make this statement, have I improved things? If I haven't, keep your mouth shut. It, it's not helping. On a very practical side, this works its way into families. This works its way into your job force. This works its way into our church. Very, very easy. It's very, very easy for me to talk about things that don't build up. To talk about people and not be building anyone up. You know what that guy just did? Let me tell you. I spent a week with Josh Craighead. I, I got stories, I tell you. But I'm not going to tell him. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I could. I'm not going to. You're welcome. No. Here's the thing. It doesn't build anything up. It's not going to help anything out. And he says, listen, don't let that corrupt communication. He's not talking about the evil communication. That's coming. This is just corrupt. It's not building up. And we know that Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if it's not building up, it's tearing down. If it's tearing down, where did it come from? Oh, let's back up and give not place to the devil. Right? That's ultimately what it's from. 
Jump with me down to the next one. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. In context, while he's talking about this, he's talking about what we say can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. If you think about it, and I've, I've been there before, um, I've, maybe with some of you, it, it, is, uh, it can be a grief sometimes when someone comes and you know, talks about your kids, right? It's not always the most pleasant thing. Like, hey, yeah, um, we always ask the question, hey, were my kids good? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah. as, as the administrator, as the principal, there are some times I'd talk to some parents like, hey, listen, um, your daughter, like, oh, great, <laughs> here we go. And, and it grieves parents, doesn't it? Those are your kids. I get that. Those are your kids. And not only, not only is it a reflection on you, but you love them. But we're God's kids too. And when I go around talking about God's kids, that grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And grieve not the, why, why is he grieved? Because I'm talking about his kids. Because I'm cutting his kids down. He doesn't like that. And just as much as you don't like it when people do that to your kids, how much more does God not like it when we do that to his kids? And yet we don't think about it. We don't think about it that way. We just, man, brother so-and-so, I don't know what he was thinking. Man, did you see what she was wearing today? What are we doing? It's not edifying. That's not building up. Cutting down. And becoming the worst member. And giving place to the devil. And setting on fire the course of nature, and it's set on fire of hell. He then says, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He just like sums it all up. He just like shotguns and hits everything, like angry talk. Boy, when you get angry, whew. You can sometimes say some things that you really didn't want to get out there, right? Uh, sometimes bitter talk, when, when you're really upset, sometimes things come out that, boy, I really wished that didn't get out. I was thinking that in the moment, but that's not really who I am. But I was thinking that in the moment. And I, I said that thing, and it was hurtful, but I was hurt. And I let it out. And that bitterness came out. He says, and clamor, along with that uh, clamor, just clamorous talk, loud talk. Um, again, typically young people are the more guilty of the clamorous talk. I've been on a lot of road trips with teens. And now some of you aren't teens anymore, but there's a lot of clamorous talk going on in the back of the vans or in the back of the buses. Just, like, like just loud, boisterous noise talk. It's just, it just goes on, clamor talk. So they... That clamorous talk. Um, Solomon said it this way, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. If we talk a lot, we're going to say something we shouldn't say. It just happens. That's one of the dangers of social media. That's one of, to me, it's one of the dangers of, of like posting all the time and posting so quickly and you know, like sending out tweets and stuff. Like I, really, I really appreciated President Trump's stance on, on, on politics and on finances and on America first. But sometimes some of the tweets, it's like, Man, president, like, don't hit send. Or hire somebody and let them do that for you. <laughs> like, please, just, just don't, because it's really hard to defend. It's like, boy, I can't believe. Whew. Why? 
Well, it's, it's clamorous talk. It's getting out there, and there's, there's really no point to it. And it's, it's just, it's not edifying. And it's definitely not in love. Clamorous talk needs to stop. And then with all malice, the idea of malice is when we talk about people with the, in, with the intention of causing harm, right? Malicious talk. I'm going to talk about you because I want to hurt your feelings. Intentionally. Sometimes we hurt people's feelings unintentionally. But malicious talk, this is when I'm doing it because I want to cut you. I'm hurt, and words are like knives. They go down to the innermost parts of the belly. We know this, and I'm going to cut you. I'm going to hurt you with my words because I'm hurt, so pff, malicious talk. He says, no. As a Christian, we need to get rid of these. Let it be, look at this, let, let it be put away from you. Uh, the bitterness, the wrath, the anger, the clamor, the evil speaking, the malice, let that all be put away from you. And the opposite of those things, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God's, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, I've heard that verse quoted for 39 years. Memorized this verse when I was like a little bitty guy. In context, in context, he's talking about things we're saying. This whole end of this chapter is talking about our speech. So when he says, and be ye kind one to another, not just kind with what we do, but kind with what we say tender-hearted, forgiving one another. In context, forgiving one another for what? For what they've said about us. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And forgiven you for what? All of your sins, definitely, in context. Specifically, the times you talked about people and you shouldn't have. The times you said things that were cutting and hurting and hurtful to other people that now are being said about you. Hey, God forgave you. You can forgive them. The worst member in our church, it's not one individual. It's not. The worst member in our, the worst member in our church, the most destructive member in our church, this guy right here, this tongue, my tongue, your tongue, the things we say, those are the things that hurt. The things we say, those are the things that start a fire, that spread. The things we say, those are the things that destroy and cut down and break down. Flip back with me to James very quickly. We'll wrap up here. James ends this chapter. He, he, he wraps up this thought. Verse number eight, but the tongue can no man claim, tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. He says, how can we bless God and curse people that are made in God's image? These are God's children. Well, yeah, I'm going to curse them. Like, oh, you know, man, it's, you know. Now, growing up, we used to give, I used to give my brothers a hard time about how, like, ugly they were. I mean, like, dude, you're really ugly. It's like, yeah, well, I'm your brother. So, I mean, <laughs> genetically, it's not that different. <laughs> it's like, man, you're the ugliest person I've ever seen. It's like, have you looked in a mirror? No. no you know, we would go through things like that. And honestly, when we start criticizing people, they're made in the similitude of God. So if I'm getting on to people for that, really I'm saying, hey, God. <laughs> like, yeah, No. Look what he says. Out of the same mouth proceedeth both, sorry, proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. 
Last illustration James made here. Does a fountain send forth of the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree bear olive berries or a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? He says, listen. In nature, it's impractical. It's impossible for a tree to have two different kinds of fruits. Naturally, it just doesn't happen. If you go and dig a well, we had a well for years. You dig a well, you know, you dig that well down, you're going to have water coming out of that well. And it can be good water, it can be bad water, but you're not getting both. It's not good and bad. It's, it's, it's either good or bad. It's salty or fresh. The house we were in before, we would get um, uh, calcium deposits in the water. And like it would come, like it would plug up the, the, the like in the kitchen faucet, they sometimes plug that up. They would plug up the, uh, the water heater. We get sometimes plugged up with those calcium deposits. So finally we put a filter, try and keep all that yucky out of the water because if it got in the water, it got in us. And it was just the whole thing, right? So we put this filter on there to try and keep all that nasty out of there. Little simple, cheap filter. Go and take that filter off and look at it. And it just looks like a ball of yarn. It's all curly. And it'd be like, like an orangish, an orangish, color, pull that thing out, throw it away, put a new one in, slap it back on. Three months later, come and take it back out, throw all that nasty up, put the new one on. Every once in a while, um, be desperate because there's like no water pressure. You go and take that filter out and not have a new filter. Like, well, for a day or two, just slap this on. We'll just run it for a day or two. I'll try and get to the town, try and get a filter, run it without the filter. Dangerous. Plugs everything up. Causes the little $5 replacement filter. We take that out of the line and we're talking hundreds of dollars to fix water lines and water heaters and everything else because the filter wasn't in place. And how easy it is just to put that filter in. Church family, to keep ourselves from having that tongue problem, you gotta keep that filter in place. What's the filter? Number one, keeping that heart right. Keeping that heart right sets the filter. That keeps some of that junk from coming out. Number two, ask God for help. Lord, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. As for our iniquities, we know them. We all know what we struggle with. Some people struggle with anger and saying things in anger they shouldn't. Some people struggle with bitterness and saying things, saying things bitterly they shouldn't. Some people, it's malice. They're malicious. They're, they're the, the quote-unquote, the mean girl attitude. And honestly, there can be some mean guys, too, where they just say cutting, biting things because I just want to cut. You know your iniquity. You know what you are. Ask God to help you to not be. Last but not least, there in Ephesians, he says, listen, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. He says, put off the old man, put on the new man. I need to make sure those things are present. That becomes a filter. That becomes a mindset. And again, who we spend time with is who we're going to start sounding like. It didn't take us very long to be down around all those, them there, people down in Georgia. And pretty soon we started talking like Georgia. And like, hey, we got to get over there. And evidently they can understand that. It's because who are we around? And who we're around, it comes through. And when you talk, do people understand that you've been around God? really dangerous thing to be in the church and to have the tongue that's causing the problems. Don't allow yourself to be that most dangerous, that worst member here. Let's pray.